Hello, ACC. Today's scripture reading is from Exodus 3, verse 1 to 15. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I'll turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw, he turned aside to see, God called out to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I'll send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I'll be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Let us ask God for his presence to be here so that we may understand his holy word. Let's pray. God, we need your presence. It is only your spirit that makes these words come alive. It is not my mouth, it is not our understanding that enables us to really understand these words. It is your Holy Spirit. And we pray that your spirit would be in the midst of us so that these words would cause us to see the great God that we worship and that we would bow down and worship him. Thank you, O oh God, for all that you do. Thank you for meeting us here. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. I want to start this sermon off with a simple question, or maybe not that simple. How do you know what God is like? How do you know what God is like? Sometimes we take this for granted because at a very early age, most of us are told what God is like. We never actually have to think about it, but there is a way God reveals himself. We do not discover God. We do not do mathematics, look out into the stars, look out to nature, and we do not see that God is there, or we do not understand who God is just by simply looking out. We might understand that there's a higher being, that there's a higher power, but we don't know that God is love by simply looking out into nature. We don't know that God is justice by solving a math equation. We know all these things because God has revealed it himself to us. Now, this is important. Why? Because when God reveals his character to his people, it's not just for information's sake. It's not just so that we have more material for Bible quizzes. It's so that his people or the people who hear or understand God's re revelation act. When God presents himself as love, it's so that the people of God would love. When God presents himself as justice and truth, it's so that the people would seek justice and seek truth. When God presents himself as wise, he calls his people to seek wisdom in all that there is. And so what we have before us today is that exact thing. God calling on Moses to do something. But before he does anything, he reveals who he is to Moses in order that Moses and the people would act. And this is not a text that uh, we don't just look at it and say, oh, that's great history. This conversation that Moses has with God is a conversation that we as a church still have today. So there's much to learn from this conversation that is presented before us. This um, conversation, this uh, text that we have before us teaches us who God is. And God does not only call Moses to respond, but it causes his people here and now to respond to the revelation of God. So let us see how God reveals himself. As we begin looking at chapter 3, we see Moses who has fallen a long way. Last week, if you're here with us, we saw that Moses was the prince of Egypt, that he was looking over his people and that he was able to do something about it. Granted, it wasn't the best decision, but he was able to do something about it, and he thought he could do something about it. But here we now see Moses 40 years later, and he is now a shepherd. He is 80, and he's taking care of the flock of his father-in-law. He has nothing of his own possession. He has fallen far away from that title of prince. But then all of a sudden, we see God come and initiate the call to Moses. And we see in verse cha uh, chapter 2 that God makes himself known to Moses. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And then God presents himself. Moses then goes, and then it is God who calls Moses into his presence. 
He calls Moses, Moses, and Moses replies, here I am. And then God says, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And here's the one thing that we learn about God right away. It's that he's Asian. That was a joke. Christy knows I've been waiting to say that one for many, many years. Yes, God is Asian. Before you enter into his holy place, you must take off his shoes. Those of you who are coming to save families, you will also be entering a holy place and must take off your shoes. But no, we, we see that God is holy. Now, we don't know exactly what that means yet, so we're not going to divulge into what it means that God is holy, because that comes later in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Rather, immediately God reveals something else to Moses. What does he reveal to Moses? He says, I am the God of your father, father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then he'll go on to say that he heard, hears the cry of the people and why and, and, and what has happened and, and, and summarize what is going on in the land of Egypt. And why has God revealed himself to Moses as the God of your father? the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Because he has a task for Moses at hand. These are the promises. He made promises to these men that these people would deliver them from the grips of Pharaoh and they would become a great nation. That is why God reveals himself this way. For in verse 10, he says to Moses, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children, of Israel out of Egypt. That is why God has revealed him, th himself this way. But what's quite interesting is that Moses then speaks up and asks questions. Now, usually you're not allowed to ask questions if it is a great supreme king or a great God. But yet God allows Moses to ask these questions because God is not afraid of these questions and he understands that these questions are import, important. So Moses, instead of submitting right away, ponders and thinks and he asks God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And this reveals a lot of Mo about Moses now, doesn't it? Here Moses was a prince before. And I'm sure if God had come to Moses when he was a prince of Egypt, Moses probably would have responded very differently. If God had come and said, Moses, I need to free my people, I'm calling you to do it, Moses probably would have said, that makes sense. I'm in position to do so. I have the power. I have uh, Pharaoh's ear. I can do these things. Sure, I can do it. But here now we see that Moses has humbled himself. And it's a good question. Who am I to do such a thing? And then God responds in an interesting way. He says, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. It seems as if God has avoided the question altogether. Moses was asking a genuine question. Here he was being bare and honest, and he asked God, who am I? And God says, I will be with you. Now, if you read closely, you would understand that God actually answers the question. 
He has answered the question of who am I? Let me phrase it for you differently, maybe in a different context. Imagine you're at a job interview and you're applying for this job and the boss says, you're hired. And then you say, wow, why, why did I get this job? And he, he or she looks at you and says, because you know Jeffrey. And you say, excuse me? The whole point is, Moses is nobody. It's an irrelevant question. Who are you? What skill set do you have? You have none. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what kind of skill sets you bring. I am with you. I am with you. That is all you need to know of your identity. This is all you need to know when you go out to see Pharaoh, that I am with you. That is the only reason Moses was chosen. And so we learn another interesting thing about God, that God does not choose people that, have, that show great promise. God does not choose people who have inherently great qualities or abilities. God chooses whomever he chooses. And this is a recurring theme that God will press in again and again as he delivers the people out of Israel. And just to emphasize that a little bit more, we have Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6 and 7, in which God says, th says this to the Israelites. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. And it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. Why did he choose Moses? Because God is a God of his word and because he wanted to choose Moses. Oftentimes we think that we, that we need to be ready for God's call, that we need to prepare ourselves or we need to develop a certain set of skills before God calls. We don't have to. When God calls, the most important thing is that God is with you. And that is all that you will need. And this is an interesting thing because Moses will go on again and ask more questions and he'll doubt himself more. But God will time and time again and say, I am with you. Remember, I am with you. And so as Moses is thinking and he, as he ponders the question and as he realizes the answer that he is nobody, then he comes up with another question, which is a great logical question, who is God? If I am nothing, then who are you claiming to be? Correct? Now, at first glance, it's an odd question because God has already revealed himself as the God of uh, Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Why would Moses be asking for God's name? You have to understand that in the background, the dialogue between Moses and God is this. It's the issue of Pharaoh and the slavery of the people. And as, he, as they are talking, every, they know that this is in the background. And so when Moses asked God, what is your name? He's saying, what is your character? What is your power? What attributes do you have that people will believe in you that you are able to do such a thing? Because remember, the first revelation is this. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. 
that does not strike fear in anybody at that time. If you go and say, this is the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, Pharaoh will say, you mean the enslaved people? That is your God? There's no fear. But here God knows this, and he knows that the Israelite people will know this. And so what does God say? His title, his character is, he simply says, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, every great theologian has expounded upon this, and I, I don't have the time. This could be a whole lecture series at a theological seminary of what it means to be I am. But simply put, this is what it is. It means that God is completely independent. He has no hometown. He has no people because he was from the beginning. He is the Alpha and the Omega, greater than every being on this planet. If you remember back in the days, every god was associated with some land. And it depends upon that land's works that depends the strength of that god. So Pharaoh, his gods were powerful. Because when Pharaoh says, I am Pharaoh, he says, look what our gods have done for us. These pyramids, these, these armies, this technology has been all provided by our gods. And so when God says, I am the great I am, he's saying, I'm bigger than that. I am the alpha, the omega. I am eternal. I don't belong to any particular land or region, for I created it all. I am the great I am. There, I am second to none, and I am the supreme being, Lord of it all. So who are you? Who, are, who is Moses? Nobody. Who is God? He's everything. And it is, it is this title, I, the great I am, that will instill confidence into the people of Israel. And as they go, this is the name that should strike terror into, the, into Pharaoh's heart. But, of course, you know the story. Uh, it doesn't really happen that way. And we'll see and understand more and more as the story unfolds of why things unfolded as they did. But I do want us to just stop and reflect upon those questions and answers. Who are we and who is God? And why is that question important for us today? Because that conversation that Moses had with God is conversations we still have today. Who are we? Who are we? We are but dust. We are Nothing. And God yet still calls each and every one of us by name into his holy presence. And as he reveals himself to you, he causes you to act, to do something about it. But here we have an upper hand over Moses. For when Moses encountered this fire, he only had a blurry picture of who God was and who he was speaking to. For us, we have a very clear picture of who we're speaking to and who has called us. It is Jesus who has called us. The same Jesus that called Moses. Now you may be thinking, where is Jesus in all of this? Well, with all the burning fires and the burning bush saying, you know, that's impossible, we forget the verse uh, number two, or the second verse, 
where we read that it wasn't really the fire that was speaking to God. The fire represented the messenger of the Lord. Verse 2, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. It was a messenger that was talking to Moses. And as we talk, that messenger is closely associated with God. They become one. They become one and the same. And you see this messenger, this angel of the Lord, was there the whole time. And how do we know this? Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, verse 35, he says this. This Moses, who they rejected, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent us as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. It is this angel, this messenger of the Lord, who was leading them throughout all of Egypt, out of that land of oppression and into the land of promise. But don't take Stephen's word for it. Let's take Jesus' word for it. As Jesus is talking with some Jews, uh, leaders of the Jews, this is what it was said. John chapter 8, verse 57 to 59. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And the Jews knew what this meant. For in 59 it says, so they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Jesus himself calls him the great I am. And he was there. So it is Jesus who calls us into his presence. He is the one who calls us by name. He is the one that calls us here to be revealed. And we ask God, who are we? Jesus, who are you? And remember what our context is. Yes, we're not scared of Pharaoh. People are not scared of a, a nation coming down. What are people scared of? They are scared of sin and death. And every human being that comes into the presence of Christ understands that they are nothing compared to sin and death. So we cry out, Jesus, who are you? Jesus says, I am the great I am, and I am your redeemer who has come to save you from the grips and oppression of death and sin. This is who Jesus is. This conversation that Moses has is one we have every Sunday, every single day with him. Every day we wake up and say, who are we? And the only important thing we need to know is that Jesus says to us, you are mine. I am with you. Every person that encounters Jesus, to whom Jesus is revealed, has to act and make a decision. Christianity is not neutral. God does not reveal himself so you can either accept it or not. God reveals himself so you either worship him or turn away. Those are the only two options when we encounter Jesus. But blessed be our, to our God that as we have encountered Jesus here, as we've encountered his word, we worship his holy name. Brothers and sisters, what we are to take from this text is this, 
that Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is God. He is the great I am, and he has saved you from the grips of sin and death. And for that reason alone, we worship his holy name. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are an all-powerful God. Thank you that we have an amazing Savior who not only loves us but is powerful enough to do something about that love. Lord, we are weak, but you are strong. May we confide in that and may we rest in that truth, believing in you. We thank you, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.